Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. I want to just give a shout out as we are honoring today all of those who serve on our dream team. God has a dream in his heart for his house, and our dream team comes together, uh, makes that dream possible on our weekend services. So everyone with a sticker on today, just put your hands together and thank those that are serving on our dream team. Yeah, come on. Father's Day Donuts and uh, Dream Team Celebration uh, over to my left, your right. Well, we're on part three of Heart for the House. We love God's house. We're being reminded in this series about some things that are important to us at Harvest, and we want to get ready for our fall season. We're not wishing the summer away. Uh, we're giving you opportunity to enjoy this summer as we... Uh, need to do here in the north. Um, we're south compared to some, I know, but our summers are short, and we do uh, kind of slow down in the summer months here at Harvest, but we get ready to ramp back up in our fall season, and we are returning to multiple services in October. We're really excited about that, and so we're getting ready now so that we can begin building our teams that'll be necessary uh, in our fall season, and so... Um, as we're doing this series, and today I'm really, I really am excited about this message. I've been praying about it, and uh, I hope that you'll hear something in this. If you're not a part of the Dream Team, that you will reconsider on Sunday mornings to be a part of what God's doing here at Harvest. I'll put this first verse up, and I'd like to have us read it together. Um, let's, let's, uh, as I begin reading, read with me. Lord, I love the house where you live the place where your glory dwells. Let's read it again in unison. Lord. We love your house, Lord. We know there's a plan for it. You told Moses to set it up, put it into order. Lord, that we would uh, be very careful as a church to make sure that we have placed your house in order, that we've built according to your plan. Help us, Lord, understand today what you're saying and it may challenge some of us, challenge our kind of time frames, and an amount of time is so precious for many of us, even, even more expensive than our money. But Lord, today I know you're speaking to us about serving in your house, and we'll find out why. Why is it important, Lord, that we serve in the house of God? Help us get this, understand it, and I pray, Lord, even as this challenge goes out, Lord, that as we come into this fall season, Lord, that we'll, we'll double the team that we have. Lord, that there'll be so many willing to open the door to your presence in the house. I pray that now in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Well, Heart for the House, the recap really quick is that in the first week, we just talked about how powerful it is to be in God's presence and God's plan for his house, it is that God's presence would be here. And we're a people of presence. We love to celebrate worship. Uh, we love the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but not just for ourselves. In week two, we talked about being a, a bringer, and we say it that way because um, Pastor Frank Satius, who's on our apostolic team here at Harvest, helps give oversight to this church. Uh, he has an amazing church, Viva Church in Oshawa, uh, preached a number of years ago, and it's stuck hard here about being a bringer, but he's Portuguese from Brazil, so he says bringer, and uh, so bringer has stuck. And bringer is not just that we 
bring somebody every week, although that's amazing and we should always be thinking who we can bring to the house of God. But it's building atmospheres where people can belong before they believe. And then this week I wanna talk to you about opening the door in the house, in the house of God. We'll begin in Matthew, and this has been a really important message for me, or excuse me, scripture for me over the last number of years. It's just really helped as we've made some decisions as a church to embrace the multitudes. And you'll understand what I mean by that as we read it. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He's still doing that, by the way. But when he saw, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this particular Sabbath, Jesus is speaking at synagogue, and I just kind of think that's cool, because how do you advertise that? Emmanuel, God with us, will be speaking on Sunday. You know, so like God, you know, God, Jesus is, is actually at church, God's house, in, this, in the synagogue, and their understanding of that uh, as Orthodox uh, Jewish people. And uh, they, have, they have this incredible service. After the service, Jesus is standing by the door, greeting people as they go out, Jesus. It was as if God was here today. Like, that was really, like, you were on fire. This, Jesus, you were so anointed. And all those healings, wow, that was amazing. Like, how did that actually go down? And, and I, wonder, I wonder if people didn't think, wow, that was a great service like if Jesus were to come this morning and heal everybody and, and uh, you know, his presence was here so, so thick, we say, so, so tangible, so real that he himself were here, manifest in the flesh. We would probably say that that was a great service. I've gone home after different services and I've said to Christina, wow, that was a great service. We begin to challenge ourselves as a, as a leadership team and what does that mean? What does it mean to have a great service? Does that mean we felt really good in worship? Does that mean that, that you know, pastor had a half-decent word and it, maybe it stirred something in me? That was a great service. I got to see some people. Or maybe we had donuts after the service. It was a great service. Like, what does it mean to have a great service? And we began to really think about and talk about what it means to have a great service. Because when Jesus was standing at the side door or the back door of the synagogue that day, when he stepped out, I, I have to believe as we're reading the scriptures that as good as that service was, it wasn't a great service, at least not to Jesus. It wasn't a great service, even though he healed all of the sick people, but there were still so many that were sick outside the doors. It was really great that people were in the presence of Jesus, but there were still so many others outside the doors. It was really, really great the people got together that knew each other and gathered in synagogue that day, but there were so many that didn't gather in the commonality of knowing Jesus. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Moved with compassion. If someone shares with you something that took place in their week or in their life, um, you... Uh, 
uh, you f- if you feel that pain, you identify and relate to their pain, and you feel bad about that, we call that pity. That's an emotion where we're just, we're kind of, you know, understanding they're in pain. I kind of feel that pain, and that's pity. But when your pain is moved to action and you want to do something, and more than want to, you actually do something to alleviate that pain, to alleviate their discomfort, we call that compassion. It's moved to action. And that Jesus was compelled to do something for the separation of people, separated from God. We are separated because of our sin. We, 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 the, the multitudes of people didn't know Jesus. He knew he was heading to the cross to do something about the human condition of being separated from God. And there were multitudes. Multitudes, the greatest number of people, the majority of people, not the few people that were having a great service at church, but the majority, the multitudes. God so loved the, that he gave his son and Jesus came. Having a multitude mentality, getting past, regardless if we were a mega church of 10,000 or a church of a couple of hundred, that having a multitude mentality is we begin to understand, we begin to see that Jesus was on a mission and he set us on the same mission because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. What does it mean that people that are separated from God are weary? Literally, torn and mangled by wild animals. This sheep and shepherd motif, we're going to look at it this morning. Jesus uses it, and he helps us understand uh, some things. And, And so as he looks at the multitudes, they're weary and scattered, literally as if they're being mangled by wild animals, which is the condition of sin and evil in the enemy. And as Christ followers, Jesus gave us authority over the enemy and uh, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, we talked about the spiritual battle that we're in and that Jesus has overcome. He paid the price on Calvary so that we wouldn't be weary, mangled by wild animals, that we can take a stand against evil and sin and, and the work of the devil. But what about people that don't know him? They're weary. They're mangled. They're scattered. They're literally running everywhere. It's as if they're being chased and predators are after them and there's, they're looking and running all at the same time and they have no rest in their spirit. No place to, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures beside the waters. We could read that wonderful psalm describing Jesus' role in our life and how we re- reciprocate in receiving. But people without Jesus are scattered. They're running everywhere. They're they're like sheep. They're not sheep. They're people. (laughs) But they're like sheep. We all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, got our own way. And God has piled all our sin, all our sin, everything we've done wrong on him, on Jesus He had compassion for you and I. It moved him to go to the cross, providing a solution for sin. And like sheep, people who are weary and scattered have a solution this morning. They need to be gathered to the shepherd. They're scattered and weary. They're under the power and duress of the enemy, but they need to be gathered under the love and compassion of Jesus. 
Say gathered. Really important word for us this morning. And so using the analogy of shepherds, sheep, and Jesus is the great shepherd, Jesus uses that analogy in John 10. Let's just look at it for a minute. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the ravaging of of people who are weary. The, The devil, the thief. Jesus says, but I've come that they may have life. So these two choices, life and death, and to have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. Say good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. At Harvest, we say it this way. We want every person who comes through the door to experience four things on an ongoing basis, that they would know God, know the shepherd, not just intellectually know him or know about him, but to experience him. That's why even how we set up our church services, it has an experiential aspect to it because God's presence is real. He's real. He's alive, as we sang today. We want people to know God, not know about him, but to experience him and know him better and more each and every day. We want you to find freedom, freedom from yesterday, freedom from your life under the power of the evil one who was stealing and killing and destroying. And as you begin to come under the rest of the shepherd, you begin to heal, you begin to grow, and you find freedom from yesterday. As you find your freedoms from yesterday, it's almost as if your eyes get clear and you begin to see that you were created with a purpose and you discover that purpose And then you take that purpose and you make a difference. That's our mission. People ask, what's the vision at Harvest? Well, it it doesn't change. It won't change until Jesus comes back. It's that everyone would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Would you say that phrase with me? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Gathered sheep, as we just read, know him and follow him. Sheep that have been gathered to the shepherd, know him and follow him. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. How do people go from being weary, like sheep, but weary and scattered, to becoming like sheep, gathered and under the life-giving power of Jesus? How does that happen? If you said to me this morning, well, people need to make a decision. They need to decide for Jesus. They need to repent from their sin and turn to Jesus. You'd be absolutely right. And we say that phrase and hold it over people sometimes like like if you would just get it right and turn to Jesus and repent. While they look at us like we have 15 heads and wonder, what on earth are you talking about? Because they don't know what we're talking about. They don't know what that means. And we would be right that repentance simply means a change of mind. We're going one way, our own way, the way of running, running all over life, hither, thither, and yon, because we're weary and because we have no rest. We have no shepherd, no abundant life because we haven't chosen that, but we don't know how. But there's a time where we turn. And the Bible says it isn't a journey to God. He's right there. When we turn from going our way, because he's been following us our whole, and when we turn, he's right there in his love and his compassion. And yes, we make a decision. But what are we making a decision to and for? It's an important question, I think. There's an important step 
before someone makes a decision. A really, really important step that we don't want to miss. Using this analogy of the sheep and shepherds, Jesus saying he was the only way. He said, I'm, I'm it. I'm, I'm the only way to eternal life. I am the good shepherd. Remember in our, in, in, if you were here for the series, and in, in week one, we talked about Jacob's ladder, and Jacob had a revelation. This is none other than the gate of heaven. There's a gate. There's a portal. There's an opening to experience heaven. Say gate. The opening to heaven. That the house of God is to be a place where people uh, encounter the gate to eternal life. The gate. But gates can be open or gates can be closed. Yeah, that's why it's a gate. Say gate. It's the gate of heaven, Jacob said. Yeah, but is the door open or closed? I see the gate. Can I get in there? Do I belong there? Can I have access? And look, it's so, it'll be so easy to miss this in the verse. The true shepherd, Jesus carrying on in the scripture that we just read, the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he, the gatekeeper, opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The true shepherd walks up to the gate. But Jesus is looking for gatekeepers. There's another player in the story. There's another character as we read this parable. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. How'd they hear his voice? A gatekeeper opened the gate to heaven so they could hear themselves, hear their, hear their name being called by the very creator of the universe. Do you remember the day Jesus called your name? And you responded? You said, yes, Lord, I receive your love today. You couldn't believe that Jesus cared about you and it personalized in that moment and you realized that you wanted to know God because he knew you by name and called you by name. But somebody opened the gate that day so it could happen for you. Somebody opened the gate. Jesus beautifully illustrates how the weary, scattered people who are like sheep, they're not sheep, they're like sheep, we're all like sheep, sheep scattered from the shepherd and brought into a place to hear his voice so that they would know that he's calling their name to be gathered to the good shepherd so they could begin to follow him and become a Christ follower, a shepherd follower. We're all like sheep. Let's recap for a moment. Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. Great service? No. Because when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the context of praying for laborers and the, and the, the, the white, white in fields, the context of that isn't that we're, I mean, it's, it's, a, tri it's a trick prayer. Dear God, uh, just send Christ followers who've already heard your voice uh, to do the work that you need us to do. Amen. Oh, that's, that's, that's prayer for me. 
right? It's a trick prayer, right? You realize that? It's a trick prayer. Then he said to his disciples, who are the disciples? The ones already following him. They're Christ followers. They're sheep that have already heard the voice and are following him out. That's who he's speaking to, to you and I today. The harvest is truly plentiful. The labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. He said that to disciples, which I would suspect that most in this room today have made the, have made the important decision to answer yes when he called our name. Yes to salvation. Yes to eternal life. Yes to following him. So this is directed at us. But what labor are we involved in? And immediately our minds will jump to, I, I think we're supposed to be evangelizing. What does that mean? That means go out in, the, out in the field and tell people about Jesus. And we wouldn't be wrong, but I'm not sure we're right. Because it can be so strained and weird and, and I, I just don't know if we fully understood that is so much bigger than that. And it's important that when opportunities come, and we're told in the New Testament, be ready always to answer why you have hope in eternal life. And we can answer anybody that question if they ask us. But in the context, what are laborers really doing? What are the Christ followers who understand this whole analogy, you and I, now that we're up to speed, what's our job actually? What are these laborers doing? Well, let's look. The true shepherd walks right up to the gate. He doesn't come in. doesn't jump over. He took a lot of time to explain this that we didn't look at this morning. But because the gatekeeper knows who he is, the gatekeeper opens the gate and lets him in. And the sheep recognize the voice. Which sheep? Sheep that already know his voice? No, the sheep who don't know his voice. They've been gathered and now they're about to meet their shepherd because a gate was open. He comes in. He calls his own by name and leads them out. And now they leave going, I'm following this guy. But somebody has to be a gatekeeper. Somebody has to take the position of saying, I will remove anything that has closed these people off to hearing his voice. Any barriers any doors, any walls, any gates, I will not allow a person to be hindered because we've misrepresented God or they don't understand or we say, do this, do this, do this, but they've never had the most precious opportunity to actually have him come into their midst. I know your name. And in week one, Jesus calls Nathaniel by name. And Nathaniel, who becomes an apostle, in the church that he was building, the plan that God had for his New Testament church. And Nathaniel's one of those apostles. Jesus said, ah, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to see heaven open, a gate, uh, the Son of Man with angels ascending and descending because of me, and you're going to have a church where people are going to hear their name being called. And not one or two or a few, but the multitudes are going to come to salvation. Go ahead. <laughs> Is this the time to clap? I'm not sure. Yes, yes, that's a good time to clap. All right, I want to end with a story, and then we're going to eat donuts. It's one of my favorite. I've told it a bunch of times. Um, if you've heard it, you need to hear it again anyway, and I love to tell it. And it's a story about Obed-Edom. 
one name. It's not Obed-Edom. It's Obed-Edom. Uh, it's a hyphenated name of a guy that we meet in the Old Testament. It's the story when King David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence. God dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant, and it had been captured by the enemies and was hanging out somewhere. And, and so um, the people in Jerusalem had been doing church uh, without God for years. Doing church without God for years. No presence, no power. Yeah, I won't say anything about that. King Saul was okay with that. He's just doing the thing. Let's just, we'll do it, we'll get it done. Uh, he was more interested in being a king and conquering and dividing than he was that the people would know what it was to be in God's presence. And so David's not okay with it. And David says, we need to go and get the presence of God and bring God's presence back into God's house. That's what we need to do. If you remember the story, King David is super excited about it. And in his excitement, he doesn't consult God's word about how to bring God into God's presence into the, into the service. He doesn't, he doesn't read how to do that. And there was a how to move God's presence, to bring God to God's people. So the way he had done it is they had placed the ark, uh, the ark of the covenant representing God's presence on an ox cart. And a couple of guys, us in Ohio, are, are driving that ox cart. And there's a big procession of musicians, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in procession. And they're singing and they're dancing and they're worshiping. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just exciting. And they hit a bump and the Ark of the Covenant starts to slide. And uh, Uzzah reaches out. Oh, I don't know what happened. Oh, God, hang on, God. And he touches it. And he's, he, he's, he's, he's struck down dead. And as an aside, he was struck down dead because they weren't bringing God's presence properly. They were putting God on an ox cart, which for you and I just to understand that uh, God's presence can't be carried in, man, in a man-made fashion. That's called religion. When men make a way for people to find a God or they try to manipulate people to find some deity or, or to cause this deity to do what they want him to do, that's called religion. God said, I have to be shouldered by people. And we looked at that last week. The Levitical musical priests shouldered the presence of God. And I said, we're all, the Bible says, we're all living stones and priests. We've been saved out of darkness to declare uh, praises to him who have come in from darkness into his marvelous light. And so we're all called to shoulder the presence of God. That's how God's presence comes to his house is we all come ready to worship him on a Sunday. We've been worshiping at home, cultivating presence. We come together to cultivate the gate of heaven as the house of God. That's an aside. Us is dead. And David's standing there going, I think I did something wrong. Um, all right, what do we do? He looks up and he sees a house and he asks, uh, who lives there? And uh, they said, that's the house of Obadidim. So they send uh, one of the members of the entourage to knock on the door, and, uh, and Obadiah's wife, Mrs. Obadiah, comes to the door, and she answers it, and she sees the, the procession. She sees uh, all, of, all of the fancy entourage. She sees King David. Then she sees the body bag laying beside the cart. Uh, Obadiah, I think this one's for you. Obadiah comes to the door, and they said, Mr. Obadiah, yes, you probably recognize David over there. That's King David. Well, King David is wondering, he's wondering if you would, uh, well, what I'm trying to say is, listen, we need someone to keep God for a while. Do you think you could do it? 
And so Obadiah turns, I, I, I guess, I don't know. I, he says to his wife, do you think we could keep God for a while? I don't think he'd be much problem, not too much trouble probably. So they agree to keep God. And so they bring the Ark of the Covenant and set it down in the house. And the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant was three months in the house of Obadiah. And Obadiah and his family were changed forever. Mrs. Obadiah noticed that her tomatoes in the garden were growing bigger than they'd ever been before. They were like the size of basketballs. They were juicy and red, and there was going to be more salsa this year than she had ever, ever made. The cow was giving more milk. The chickens were laying twice as many eggs. Mr. Obadiah got a, got, a, he, he got a promotion at work. The kids were doing really good at school. Their grades went up, and they weren't getting in trouble having to stay after school. The Lord has blessed the house of Obadiah and all that belongs to him. Because of the ark of God. Can I have that scripture up just so we can see it? The Lord has blessed the house of Obadiah. All that belongs to him because of the presence of God. The presence of God changed Obadiah and his family forever. See, they, they knew God. They met him. He was in their home. After the three months, there was a knock at the door. And the same group of people that dropped God off three months before it showed up ready to take God excuse me, we're here to pick up God. Is he here? Yeah, he didn't go anywhere. He's right where you left him. Obadiah watched as they put the long poles into the rings that were fashioned in the Ark of the Covenant so the Levite, Levitical priest could shoulder his presence. Obadiah watched as the presence of God went down the street toward Jerusalem to the house of God where it belonged. David knew that he wanted everybody to experience God's presence, not just little houses all over the place, but he wanted a, a corporate experience. But Obadiah was sad that day. As he watched the procession, dancing, singing, shouting, celebrating that God's presence was coming to the house of God, he shut the door. He was sad. God was gone. We don't know the details, but later in the book of Chronicles, we read that Obadiah moved his whole family. He and his whole family moved to Jerusalem to join the dream team at church. I'm being facetious, but he actually joined Jerusalem's dream team. He became a servant in the house of God. We read that Obadiah and Jehiah were also the doorkeepers for the presence. I never get tired of reading this story of a man who experienced God's presence and said, I just want to open the door. I just want to open the door so somebody else can experience what I've experienced. I just want to be a doorkeeper for the presence of God. Obadiah and Jehiah, the whole family. Our dream team is structured to be more than just smile and greet somebody at the door, be out in the parking lot, high five somebody take care of kids because they're noisy upstairs and we need to get rid of them and have them downstairs. And it's just so much more than all of the parts, but all of the parts combined. When you put it together, a worship team, a production team, someday a cafe team, and I'm hoping that after today that God will begin to stir and 
our dream team will begin to grow and we can begin to round out and fill all the environments that create spaces where people come and the, 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 the barriers and the boundaries of, of them hearing the voice of God have been all taken away because the gatekeepers are going, I want you to hear his voice. I want you to hear his voice. Oh, when you hear his voice. Oh, I'm, I've been all week in his presence, but that's not, that's not enough. It's not a great enough service just to be here together and experience him and even have miracles and get healed. Not enough. Not a, it's not a great service. A great service is when we gather together and we're all working to keep the doors open. His presence comes and he begins to call names. Not literally, but in their spirit and in their hearts. And at the end of a service, they've heard their name and we say, today, if you want to follow Jesus, put up your hand. And they put their hands up and they leave harvest that day following Jesus, coming back ready, ready to open the door for another and open the door for another and open the door for another and open the door for another. And that, that was the plan for the house. That is what God said it should look like. It's not enough just to have Jesus walk up to the gate. His presence is everywhere. Why aren't more people getting saved? Because there are not enough gatekeepers. Not enough people saying, hey, we'll do whatever it takes so someone can hear their name being called. Obed-Edom. I love that guy. <laughs> we tend church. We want our living stones to be under the presence and the power of God. I don't want to be a pillow. I want to be a pillar. I want to create a church that we're bringers. People can belong here before they believe. I'm bringing, I'm physically bringing people when those doors open, and I have been talking to people at work and sharing what happens at church and my excitement. You got to come and see. Come see. And then they hear his name. Why? Because all of us together on week three are willing to open the door for someone else to hear Jesus call their name. I'm asking, will you be an active part of our dream team? Our dream team is the place of how we're building in these days. We've God has given us this strategy. We believe it's a great strategy. It's a God strategy to know God, find freedom, to make a difference, to, to discover purpose and make a difference. But we need all hands on deck like never before to serve on our dream team. As we get ready to go to two services, we, begin, we are able to take the th two things that we value the most, week one and week three, his presence and serving, being a gatekeeper. With only one service, you have to make a choice not to be in the service that day. But with two services, it allows us to serve in a service open a gate, open the door, and then receive ourselves so that we can be all that God wants us to be in a second service. As we transition to multiple services, it isn't that we have one service and you kind of decide which one. I'm asking everyone today to consider to be on the dream team, that you would be in both services. That in the, and by doing that, that we can uh, provide a strategy for the multitudes to hear about Jesus. I'm going to ask our host team, I'm going to continue to stay focused, but you're going to be receiving a little survey that we want you to uh, 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 fill out in just a moment. Don't fill it out yet, but just receive it. If we can have you come and quickly give those out. Psalm 8410 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In other words, it's saying, I'd rather spend moments in the house of God than a lifetime in the pleasures of the world. In fact, I'd rather just be the doorkeeper. If you just let me open the door to God's house where God's presence is, I'm good. That's what I want, King David said. Today, as I share this vision of where we're going next, we do two services together. And on the Sundays that you serve, we're asking that you would be in both services, attending one and serving in the other. Our staff, Dream Team overseers, Dream Team leadership people, we've been doing this every Sunday for years. It's just part of what we do. I do it every Sunday. I did as we did too, and we'll, as we'll transition, I'll do it again. Be kind of weird if I signed up. Well, I'll go to first service and I'll serve in first service and attend in first service. Well, who's going to preach in second? I don't know. Somebody will sign up for that one. No, as we create consistent atmospheres, because we also want to be a family. Both services are identical. Same, same vibe, same feel. Same people serving and being apart. Options for people to come. Do we need the space? We do. We do need the space. We've grown to that place. And when we were doing two services, we weren't as large as we are now. We're actually larger than we were pre-COVID. And so God's moving. And one service has helped, but we need to go to two. And I wish everybody here could do every Sunday, four Sundays a month. And I just, hey, the reality is, of course, not everyone can. We're not laying that heavy on it. You know, you have to serve four and attend four. I do want you to attend as regularly. We talked about that in week one. I believe that the Sabbath of rest, God's people coming, we're not running hither, hither and yon. We're not like the sheep that are scattered. But we gather once a week under the great shepherd in a corporate service and say, ah, minutes turning into hours. And you just know you got to take that rest in God. And I'd lo- I-, I really want to encourage, if you're not doing that weekly, that you would. You might be here today already doing four four Sundays a week. And that's, that's amazing. Thank you for stepping up and saying, I want to lead in the house. I want to lead by example. I don't want to be here. But if you're here today and you go, I could do that once a month. Well, we, we receive that with joy and say, thank you for being a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper in the house of God. You might be doing, serving once in a while now. And I want to up, I want to up my serve. Boy, what I've heard today, I, did, I just, I guess I never really realized that smiling at the door is more than smiling at the door. That I, I'm actually lowering a barrier at that moment about what somebody has in terms of preconceived ideas about church. All their barriers were up, but if we could lower them and they could begin to hear, Mary, Peter, I died for you. I love you. I want to be a, a doorkeeper in the house of God three weeks. In the, I'd like you to look right now at the um, Heart for the House brochure that you've just been given, and we're asking for your personal information. We don't do anything with that outside of personal records. We want to know you. We want to keep track. And in the day, as our numbers are growing, this is just a great way for us to update our database. If you'll do that for us, thank you so much. Uh, just to include all your information, it'd be so helpful. Even if it's your first time here, we would love to know that you're here and who you are. The best way to reach you, uh, your journey, 
Um, have you been water baptized? That's part of next steps. We, we, if you say, I haven't been water baptized, probably reach out and just talk to you about water baptism, why that's so important. Step one, in order to be a part of the dream team, we do ask that you onboard and understand who we are as a church. And so we have something called step one, and at step one, you'll learn about roots. We're gonna be offering those through the summer uh, so that we're ready in September ready to go, fully furnished teams, fully trained teams, ready to go so that the multitudes can be reached. This fall, would you, would you go to 915 or 11? Maybe you don't know, uh, but just best guess. It helps us decide how, how even our services will be. How often can you serve? Can you give rise to somebody at church? And then getting involved, if you're not sure what team you want to get involved in, just check them all. Just absolutely just check them all. Obed-Edom served in the house with his whole family. There's a wonderful family, so many families that serve together. And I had an opportunity to have uh, uh, some dinner to this, this week with an amazing family, the Yepsus and, and uh, Calix and Clotilde and, and Josh and, and Eves and, and Joanna. Um, are you guys in the room right now? They're all serving downstairs and kitchen. Of course they are. Of course they are. Amazing family that love God as a family. It's just powerful. Bring your family up in the house of God serving him. Let's just take a few moments and to, and to just fill out your surveys. And someone will collect them in just a minute. Those of you watching online today, you have your own survey, and would you just please take time to take your phone and uh, just highlight the code that's on your screen right now. We love you, online audience. You are a part of us, and we just want to have you engaged in every way possible from wherever you're watching. Harvest everywhere, and harvest can be everywhere. If you're watching, please take time. Just take your phone right now, your device, and fill out your online form right now.
If you could just, if you just hold your surveys for a sec, I know our host team are doing exactly what they were told to do. But if we could just all hold, I want to pray over these cards today before we submit them. This is like an offering. It's an offering of your life in many ways. We just want to pray for a fall season in a moment. As soon as everyone's done, anyone else need more time? If you're done, can you wave your card at me unless you've already given it? Wave your hand instead. All right. We have a lot of hands not waving. Let's just wait a moment. Really important. We want you to finish filling out these cards today. If you're still filling out, that's okay. Otherwise, take your, just take your card and just hold it in a position toward the Lord. Father, I thank you for the lives represented here at Harvest. These aren't names or numbers. These are people. These are families. These are Obed-Edom all over this room, online today, that have experienced you. And they're saying that I, I, I can't do this alone. I want to do it in a corporate setting, as, as was the plan of God for this hour, for this day. A place where the gate of heaven is. A place where gatekeepers will open the door. I'm choosing to be a gatekeeper today at whatever capacity, whatever level you've chosen. Lord, we receive the gift of the gatekeepers. And Lord, that in these days, that that will just increase more and more. The prayer is there because you knew it would be an ongoing prayer. Pray for the laborers, the gatekeepers. The people who know how to remove barriers so Jesus Jesus' voice calling to the sheep can be heard. He walks up to the gate, but not into it. It has to be opened by somebody who's partnering with him, a follower, a disciple. Lord, as disciples and followers of yours today, as we move into this fall season, I thank you that this would be our, our, our greatest fall ever, not because the worship was greater or there were greater miracles, but it'd be great services because the door would, the gate would be wide open and the multitudes are hearing their voice, their name being called by your voice. We pray this today, Lord, in a way that all of us can be involved. Some of us, we are a little bit more vocal and we can uh, share our faith. For some, we don't know how to do that, but boy, if it, you mean just bring somebody to church where the gate will be? I could be a part of that. Lord, that you've provided a way for all of us to be involved in the in-gathering, the gathering of scattered, weary sheep that are going to leave following him because they heard their name today, today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go ahead and pass your cards out to the aisle and the our, our, our host team, our dream team will... Uh, to collect those. Uh, we're just going to stand just before we go. You'll be dismissed for donuts in just a moment.
Till the storm was moved for good For the Lamb had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of all Shall not kneel, shall not faint By His blood and in His name It is freedom, I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me Thank you for joining us today, Harvest. We love you. Go enjoy some donuts. Have an awesome day. We'll see you next week.